I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Oh, am I excited to have Amy Purdy on the podcast today. Amy is an internationally acclaimed motivational speaker who's shared her story of resilience around the world. She's a New York Times bestselling author whose memoir, On My Own Two Feet, From Losing My Legs to Learning the Dance of Life, has been published in 10 different languages. She's a three-time Paralympic medalist and is the most decorated adaptive snowboarder in Team USA history. She and her husband are the founders of the nonprofit organization Adaptive Action Sports that supports veterans and youth with disabilities and helps them get the training and support they need to excel at competitive snowboarding, skateboarding, and other action sports. You may also recall seeing her grace the dance floor of Hollywood a few years back when she was the runner-up on the TV show Dancing with the Stars. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Amy Purdy. What would the world look like if we all pushed ourselves to have candid conversations with people who didn't look like us, think like us, or live like us? I'm Dave Hollis, and I'm on a mission to learn more about this world by meeting more of the people who live here. You may not always agree with everything you hear, but I guarantee you'll come away more informed on topics you might never have thought to seek out before. This isn't just a podcast, it's a community. And when we raise each other up, we all rise, together. All right, Amy, I am so happy that you are here. I, as everyone who's listening has already heard, gave you an introduction, but I want to do what I ask everyone to do, and that is, in your own words, for anyone who doesn't know who you are, could you just tell people a little bit about who you are, the experience that led you to who you've become, and anything else that people ought to know about Amy Purdy? Oh, okay, yes. I grew up in Las Vegas and grew up as a snowboarder, which not many snowboarders come out of Vegas, but skiing and snowboarding was my passion. And, you know, I thought I was going to travel the world and snowboard. So at the age of 19, I became a massage therapist and I thought I had everything figured out. I had this job that could travel with me. I could go to different resorts around the world. I could make money, not rely on my parents, not be, you know, just another ski bum. I had it all figured out. And I loved my job as a massage therapist. And actually I ended up uh, working for this world-class spa in Las Vegas, and I was making great money, and I just I just loved it. And then all of a sudden, my life took a detour, 
when I contracted something called meningococcal meningitis, and we really have no idea how I got it. It's a bacteria, it's microscopic. Uh, one in four people are carriers of this bacteria. So the bacteria itself is actually pretty common, but it's not common to get sick from. And it almost took my life. So uh, pretty much overnight, I, I, I thought I had the flu and within 24 hours I was in the hospital on life support given less than a 2% chance of living. It wasn't until days later that we realized it was meningitis instead of the flu. I fought for my life. I had a kidney transplant. I ended up losing both of my legs below the knees uh, due to the septic shock that my body went into. And I had to fight to walk again and fight to live fight for my life again, uh, the quality of my life. And I, I ended up making a pair of legs I could snowboard in because all I cared about really was snowboarding again. I really didn't even think about walking as much as I thought about snowboarding. And so walking kind of came quickly because I was, you know, I was focused on way bigger goals than just walking. And so I made these feet that I could snowboard in I ended up helping other people learn to snowboard, started a nonprofit organization to help others. And that's what led me to the Paralympic Games, where I became a three-time Paralympic medalist and then danced with the stars and you know, motivational speaking. And but it's so it's been, you know, it's been a journey. And I certainly wouldn't be where I'm at today if I hadn't have lost my legs. If I had have gone through the biggest challenges of my life, I would not have the biggest experiences and accomplishments of my life. There's so many good things to unpack in the introduction that you've just given of yourself. Holy cow. All right. I want to start with you almost died, right? So you are having an experience where you could have very easily been the 98% of people who do not make it through the thing that you survive, but you also come out the other side having every single thing that you thought your life would be completely upended. Mm-hmm. Were you able in the earliest times to connect to the gratitude for having survived in a way that afforded you the opportunity to be grateful for still being here? Or were you s- struggling to come to grips with what new looked like? I, I was incredibly grateful. And that is actually what got me through my darkest days. That that certainly is what has led me to where I'm at today. And I think that gratitude really did come from being so close to dying. So when I was in the hospital, um, my lungs collapsed, my veins collapsed. I was given less than a 2% chance of living. I was on life support. I knew going uh, into life support, I knew they were putting me on life support. I was very aware that I may not make it. And I I flatlined multiple times. This is stuff that I obviously don't remember those parts, but I I did have a near-death experience as well, which I actually don't really talk about that often. But all of these moments absolutely gave me gratitude because when I woke up from the coma that I was in, I knew I was going to lose my legs. They were in really bad shape. Basically, I lost circulation to my feet from septic shock because your body pulls blood from your extremities to save your organs. So I lost circulation to my feet. They were trying to save my legs. My kidneys had failed. I also, uh, every organ in my body was affected except for my heart and my brain. And so when I woke up from the coma that I was in, I, I did feel incredibly grateful. I knew how close I was to dying. Uh, listening to my parents and what they had gone through the weeks that I was out of it, you know, they were on the edges of their seat 
just hoping that I would survive, you know, the next few minutes some days. And so definitely I, 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 I had this incredible sense of gratitude. I had this incredible sense of things could have been so much worse. I only lost my legs, which sounds so crazy, but it's amazing how you put things into perspective when you're faced with way dire outcomes. I was very close to losing both of my hands. In fact, we thought I was going to lose my hands and my nose um, more than my feet. And my family, you know, they were they were concerned about that and fighting for that. And then all of a sudden, it kind of switched and my hands got better, but my feet didn't. And so I had to have my legs amputated below the knee. And so I, I always felt like it could have been so much worse. And I'm, I'm grateful to have had that awareness and gratitude at that time, because that's certainly what got me through. It's, ama it's amazing. It's where I started only because as I'm listening to you, as I'm working through hard things, and so many of our listeners are working through hard things, relativity is a thing that you don't necessarily consider. Mortality motivation is not a thing that you necessarily connect to until you're faced with the most dire, the most extreme. And in a crazy way, you were given a gift in having seen how bad things could have actually been to appreciate how good things were, even as they were different from what you would have ever hoped for or anticipated in your life. And there's so many good things that have come, obviously, as a result of not in spite of the thing that you would have never voted for, never hoped for in your entire life. But there's something beautiful about the perspective that you were afforded that even in the midst of trust, I've been watching your journey. It's not like it's just been roses ever since, you know, <laughs> no. this happened. You've, you've had to just perpetually fight to continue yeah. this, you know, like life that you end up having. But you also, I think, uh, you know, are hopefully able to always connect back to this that, hey, Every single day is a gift because that day that this happened was not a guarantee that there would be a second day. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And I, I always felt like it was a gift that, that I, I had that experience of how bad it could be, just like you said, but then was able to put into perspective what I had. And, and, and I made the choice early on, and I make it sound easier than it was because I certainly went through really hard days. I didn't know what my life was going to be like. But I made the choice early on to focus on what I had instead of what I lost. And even with the way I spoke, you know, I'd say I've got two prosthetic legs instead of saying I lost my legs. Mm -hmm. um, it just made me feel better because I, I felt like I gained something. I, I did. It's, it's a whole new life and it's a whole new challenge that I have to tackle. And I really, as challenging as it was at times, I really made the choice to just go in like this is a challenge that that I have the opportunity to figure out. And that's actually exciting. Like I get to learn to try to figure out how to snowboard again, you know, instead of like, oh, I lost my legs and this is impossible. And how am I going to do it? I felt like, okay, I, I just need to figure out a way. And that fired me up. And I think that's, you know, ultimately what I, I'm fired up, I realized by challenge, not that I need any more in my life, but I realized that I get fueled by it because I, I, I'm constantly on a mission to just find a way. I have prepared questions, but I'm going to keep going off of another thing that you said in your introducing yourself that is just, it's striking me in real time. The idea that as you are coming out of a coma, the thing that you are excited for is to snowboard again, not walk, yeah. right? Like right. you set a vision for something that was bigger than what 
I would argue most people would probably gravitate toward in the first place. And in a crazy way, I think there's power in having cast something so audacious that in some ways probably accommodated the possibility of walking far earlier in your journey because of this conceit that, oh, no, 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 it's not just about walking. I am going to go down a slope again on a board. And I think for anyone who's listening again, like if you are faced with something that disrupts what you thought might happen, I've, I've struggled with casting the vision for what next, next looks like in the midst of things not turning out the way that I was necessarily intending. And just getting back to a sense of normalcy, you know, rather than even casting a more audacious vision, isn't something that I've myself even gravitated towards. And there's something so inspiring about, oh, no, 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 I am actually going to throw something greater into the universe. And it will be something that acts as a catalyst for me getting not just what at a minimum I deserve, but even beyond. Every challenge that I've faced since then, and this year, you know, we'll talk about some of the challenges that I faced this year. It, they haven't come quite as easy in the sense of when you're in the thick of it, it is, it's impossible to sometimes see the bigger picture. You really are just surviving. You know, when you are challenged and you are not sure what your life is going to look like and you are, you know, day to day struggling to a degree, absolutely it's so hard to have this inspired vision of your future. So I certainly think that that's, you know, normal for everybody. But I did do something right before I had my legs amputated that I think really helped me on this journey. And I always go back to it through my other challenges that I faced as well, which is, so as I was being wheeled to the operating room, I mean, I... I couldn't even wrap my head around the fact that I was losing both of my legs. I didn't even know what that looked like. I don't even know if I even saw another amputee. In fact, the vision I had in my head when I thought of an amputee, I thought of a wounded veteran in a wheelchair on the corner asking for food. Like that is the only amputee I've ever seen in my life at this point. And so I had no idea what uh, was in store for me. And I was active and I loved hiking and I loved snowboarding and I used my legs and I was a massage therapist and I was healthy. And so I was completely stepping into the unknown. And I think the only way I could have some sort of empowerment was to set these goals for myself. So as I was being wheeled into the operating room, I gave myself three goals. And the first was that I wasn't going to feel sorry for myself. I wasn't a victim and I wasn't going to act like a victim. The second thing was when I figure this out, I wanted to help other people do the same. The third was that I was gonna snowboard again that season because I hadn't missed a season of snowboarding um, since I started. <laughs> so I, I said, I'm, I, I'm gonna snowboard again this season. And I think you know by setting those goals, it really, it, it, it empowered me to say, okay, I don't know what's gonna happen with this outcome and what things were gonna look like, but this is what I'm going to focus on. And so I actually ended up snowboarding about, I think it was about maybe six months after I lost my legs was the first time I got up on a snowboard. It was that season. It was the exact season that I, that I didn't want to miss. It didn't go beautifully. You know, it wasn't easy. It's not like I just got up and rode. My feet didn't move the way I needed them to. And at one point I fell and my goggles went one way and my, my beanie went the other way and my legs attached to my snowboard went flying down the mountain, completely detached from me. Like, you know, I couldn't expect that to happen at all. And some, this lady screamed from the chairlift and, you know, I ruined her 
life. You know, she's like, if someone just broke into pieces as they're learning to snowboard, like body parts, you know, down the mountain. And so it was incredibly discouraging. But once again, I remember sitting there thinking, I thought, okay, it's it, clearly this is why you don't see double leg amputees snowboarding. It's not possible. So that was certainly my first instinct and my first uh, feeling was defeat. But then I thought, well, hold on. If I can figure out a, get, a, a way to get my feet to move in the way I need them to, and if I can figure out a way to keep these detachable body parts attached to my body, then maybe I can do this again. And that's really, you know, when I learned that like the obstacles in our lives can only do two things. One, stop us dead in our tracks or two, force us to get creative. So that's what I did. <laughs> creative you are. Oh my goodness. So incredible. I love it. I know to the second of your goals, so much of your work has been about destigmatizing and normalizing physical differences like using prosthetic limbs as you do. In order to help peel back the curtain a little bit, can you talk a little about that adjustment period before walking, snowboarding, legs versus learning to do things with prosthetic legs and how that was, how it felt? Yeah, I mean, honestly, like I said, nothing can prepare you. I had no idea what to expect. You know, I knew I was getting new legs. But then I remember my prosthetist who makes my legs. I remember him walking in the room with these big, chunky, hunky bulks of metal that were supposed to be my legs. I mean, they were hideous. And, and they looked like they were straight out of you know the Home Depot plumbing department because they just had pipes bolted together for the ankles. And I was thinking, like, where are these high-tech feet that, you know, it's, you know prosthetics are supposed to be these bionic, you know, things. And these were not them at all. They really were just pipes bolted together. And, and your, your, your socket is made of metal and that's where your leg goes into. And it's actually quite barbaric. It's not comfortable at all. Like your soft tissue and bone is not made to go inside metal and walk with all your body weight. And, you know, when I first stood in my legs, it was incredibly overwhelming because I thought, how am I going to do this? How am I going to travel the world like I always wanted? How am I going to snowboard again like I always wanted? And so I I definitely went through levels of depression, I guess you could say where, you know, just kind of bouts of it, you know, where I didn't crawl out of bed for three days, just emotionally and physically overwhelmed by what now the reality had started, right? Like, okay, maybe I embraced and accepted that I lost my legs, but now I have to learn to walk on these prosthetics and live the life that I want to live. And that was very challenging. You know, and at first I, I covered my legs up. I, I wore jeans and um, I'd go out with my friends and I didn't want people. The biggest thing is I didn't want people to feel sorry for me. I didn't want people to see me as, oh, the girl with a disability or, oh, Amy, the amputee. I just and I, I, I don't like labels and I didn't want to be labeled because I still felt like me. And so there was definitely a big period of time, a couple of years of just trying to figure out how do I be me without being a label and without people, you know, putting some weird perceptions on who I am and what I can do and what I can't do. And so I, I found myself, you know, covering up quite a bit. And then I remember I was, I was standing in this elevator and I actually had these legs that were kind of covered to look real. And I was wearing, I think I was wearing a skirt that went below the knee and I was wearing these sandals and I was standing in this elevator and this lady, I could just tell that she was burning a hole through my feet, you know, just staring at my feet. Like those are not right. Those don't look real. And I could feel it. And I thought, you know what? It's more uncomfortable hiding who I am than it is to just 
be me. Like I just wanted to be me. And so I went home that day, I ripped off these foam covers and I shined up the carbon fiber and the metal and I threw on a dress and a pair of four inch heels and walked out the door. And for the first time I felt like this is me. This is all of me. Like you're going to get me right off the bat. You know right away what you're looking at. You don't have to question what you're looking at now. This is this is it. And I'll tell you, I mean, that changed my life forever because it changed how I carried myself. It changed the conversations I had with people. And then it changed the opportunity that ultimately came from that. Because had, you know, had I hid myself, nobody would you know even know I'm out there? I wouldn't have even pursued the things that I pursued. So there's so this is like the greatest analogy in life. I mean, there are so many good things in just what you said. Number one, the process of adapting to trauma or grief is nonlinear, right? Like you had good days that then end up giving into bad days. You had bouts of or seasons of depression or whatever it ended up being as you were processing the reality that was setting in over time. And that I think yeah. for anyone who's listening is a reality, <laughs> losing legs or not, as we're in the midst of even just this COVID experience. Yeah. Like there are things that will come in waves where you can have three good days in a row and then have a couple of bad ones. But also there's something so beautiful in when you were able to step into yourself, literally and figuratively, that it was the liberating acknowledgement of you being you. And there are so many of us that are walking around with jeans covering our limbs that <laughs> if we were just comfortable enough to be vulnerable and own the thing that we're working through or struggling with, one, it just doesn't take as much work, but also there's a freedom and there's a less aloneness and there's a connection and authenticity that ends up coming and just becoming comfortable in your own skin with who you are, no matter what it is that you are dealing with. I am here for it. Goodness, that's good. I know that you've worked obviously in the public eye, a model, an actress, a spokeshuman, a dancer. Hello. Um, I want to, I'm interested in understanding from your perspective, how navigating a world that would be uh, something of a unique experience because of the situation that you have, but not wanting to also be othered at the same time, how do you balance kind of owning who you are, but also not being a person that is standing for people who are different? Or do you try to stand for people? No. There's been times that people will say, oh, you know, Amy Purdy is this disability advocate. And I'm like, I, I have never, I would never label myself that. I, I, if anything, I'd label myself an ability advocate because yeah. for me all I've ever focused on was my abilities I mean I it's not like um, you know I didn't deny my challenges in fact they are what's gotten me to where I'm at today so I have always just tried to focus on my abilities and I, I feel like you know when I realized I could snowboard again I just threw all my energy into that and I wanted to be a motivational speaker I threw all my energy into that I've I've always just kind of figured, I've put the time and the energy and the commitment into figuring out a way to do the things that I want to do. And one way or another, you know, even if I have to adapt and do it completely different, it's like I've been committed to figuring it out. And so I've never really put myself in this box of being someone who like stand, you know, yes, absolutely. Do I stand for people with differences and disabilities? But I think we all have differences, right? So what I stand for is 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 recognizing the things that make us different are the things that make us beautiful and everybody has those and that's actually where when you can embrace those things that's where your light can really shine because 
there is somebody out there who's dealing with something similar to you. And connection is the most important thing that we can have. And I think that's something that we're all learning right now because we don't really have it like we did. And so we connect within our vulnerabilities and we connect, you know, for me, I, I even realized like, it's so interesting, even with say social media, it's it's when I share very, very like hard days and vulnerable moments, it's amazing the connection I feel with other people because they come out of the woodwork and say, Thank you, because I've been going through this in my own way. And that's you know, that's beautiful. So for me, I think I've just always I've always just represented what the possibilities are or trying to find them for myself and then sharing them with others. And through that, I've been able to blur the lines of, of, you know, disability and ability or what you can do or can't do or what, you know, we perceive as like negative or positive. It's, you know, through my biggest moments that were negative at the beginning came some of my most beautiful moments as well. So yeah, it, well, in, in an interesting way, I saw this post, it was a sign that was sitting in a Starbucks that was more or less you have no concept of what the person in line behind you is going through. So just be kind. And in, right. a, in an interesting way, right? Like if someone sees you walking on your prosthetic limbs, they have some sense of what you are going through in a way that maybe affords them some empathy for your experience that anyone else who's struggling inside with whatever demons they're working through, uh, they're maybe not seen or, 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 or seen to be struggling. And so um, there is something interesting in, uh, the, the freedom and the opportunity that comes in being able to talk about the way that you have been able to take adversity and turn it into opportunity in a way that a lot of people just frankly don't get that chance. When it comes to how we can, as a community, actively participate in creating a more inclusive space for people with physical differences, is there a, a piece of advice? I mean, I think about this conversation of someone looking at you in an elevator as a for example. like. Is there something you would say to the person who like can't help but stare in line at the grocery store for how to actually behave with someone <laughs> who ends up having something that's different from their experience? So I went through a period of time trying to figure this out because I didn't feel different, but I was different. I looked different. People looked at me for sure. And I actually remember being at the grocery store and standing in line and you know, this lady was looking at my legs and at first I got upset by it and I, I was like, um, hi, you know, I said something and it made her nervous and she was like, oh God, and dropped her groceries and, you know, ran off pretty much. So I'm like, that doesn't work, right? Just kind of throwing somebody off guard. And so then I decided, okay, the next thing I'm going to do when somebody's staring at me is, is ask them if they have any questions for me. So I remember I was at, it was the first Coachella. It was so many years ago. And I was standing in, in line waiting to get this water and this little girl was standing in front of me and she was just staring at my legs. And so I asked her, I said, um, so I said, do you have any questions? And it totally terrified and embarrassed her and she ran off as well. So I thought, okay, this isn't working. First of all, I have embraced 100% who I am because this, I mean, I've, I've become my life has gone on a path that it, it was supposed to go on. That's that's how I, I believe I've embraced the journey. So these days when I walk around and somebody's staring at me, I honestly don't even notice it. And if I do, it doesn't even affect me. However, my husband, he notices it because he's walking behind me. You know, we're walking through the airport. I'm literally in four inch heels walking down to the jetway and people are turning their heads. And for him, 
he's actually had to kind of um, embrace it a little bit more these days than I have. But ultimately, all all anybody wants is just a connection and, and to not be judged. And so I'd say if people just smile, that's it. I'm, I'm always just looking for someone's smile. You know, if I don't mind that someone's looking because I'll tell you, I'd be looking too. I mean, how, you know, it's not every day that you see, you know, someone in a skirt and two bionic legs walking down the street. Like that's not, you're going to look or you're going to maybe process and figure out who knows what they're thinking. I, you know, I look at people sometimes and I think they could be thinking, wow, what did she go through? Or wow, I like her shoes and those are crazy late. I mean, who knows? We always want to create this story that's the worst. We always want to be like, oh, this person's looking at me and that's so rude. But ultimately, I think people are curious. And so so on my part, I try to be as friendly and non-judgmental as possible. And my hopes is that other people will be the same and, and, and just smile. Because ultimately, I mean, these days, there are tons of wounded veterans. They're not... And with social media, the amount of people who are representing who they are, whatever that may be, not just disabilities. I mean, they might have dark freckles all over their skin, or they may have one eye that's a different color than the other. It's like, I think these days it's so much more accepted and appreciated that we are different. We are unique and we're seeing it more. And um, and I think it's beautiful because we live in this incredibly diverse world. And the more we see different people, the more I think we accept our own differences and each other's differences. And I think that just becomes more inclusive for everybody. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I'm sure you would have had a massive impact on the world if you had not lost your legs, but (laughs) you have a massive impact in the way that you bring light into this world. I will argue in a way that maybe would not have been as big if not for the fact that this happened. And there are so many people that in the midst of things happening to them are unable to see the opportunity for it having happened for them. And there's, I think there's just something so beautiful. I like part of what I, I love following you. I love, I think I love everything about you for goodness sake, but it's really okay. truly because you have been able to take something and turn it into a, a, a mission that is more about embracing the opportunity that comes from unexpected things than it is. I love that you're not going to feel sorry for yourself. I love that you are going to set audaciously ridiculous goals for yourself. Um, But it was done in a way that wasn't, why is this happening to me? But more, how can I make something from what has happened? And it's just a lesson for anyone who's going through anything. I'm, you know, in real time asking the same question, how is this for me? What is this going to create? And it's in part because of the inspiration that comes from someone like yourself who's done so much with the circumstances of life and the hand that you were dealt. I love it. Thank you. And I, I think that question is incredibly important. Just the fact that you're aware to ask that question. How, how could this be possibly helping for me? Just to ask it. Like, like that, just that brings awareness and, and maybe allows you to look at your challenges, you know, with a different perspective. Um, it's not always easy. You know, I've gone through major, major challenges this last year. I basically went 20 years living my best life on prosthetics and kind of building up to where I was and to have it kind of the rug pulled out from under me when I got a major injury in my left leg. 
And it, it was actually my prosthetic because these prosthetics are made from metal and you're probably not supposed to be snowboarding on them seven hours a day and then walking through airports all week. But that's what I did for, you know, 10 years at least. But my prosthetic actually pushed into my artery behind my knee, my popliteal artery and severely injured it to where I ended up getting this massive blood clot from my hip down every artery of my left leg. So, so I've got currently about, you know, 10 inches below the knee. I have my calf and everything below the knee. That's what goes in the prosthetic. So I pretty much where I lost my legs was a little bit lower than mid shin, but the rest of my leg just a year, 15 months ago or so, I was fighting for the rest of my leg to save the rest of my leg uh, because of this blood clot and went through multiple surgeries over the last year. And so this time was actually much harder. In fact, it was much harder this time to, to fight for the quality of my life. Like emotionally, it was harder than 20 years ago because I think when I lost my leg for it, it was so definite. It was, that was it. You, you can't look back. It's not, you're, you're not going that way. And, and there's just no, you're not going to get anything out of it. I mean, here's the thing. I will just say as an observer of the last year, it's, I actually had more of a reaction of like, really? Like there's more, you know, isn't there already <laughs> yeah. enough that's happened? And I think yeah. you've handled it with such grace and with such optimism and with such honesty, because there have been plenty of times when I've seen you post things or talk about things online where you've acknowledged how hard it ends up being. I, I had this conversation with my grandma five days ago, three days ago. She's 98. And uh, I was explaining to her how things were going because she asked. I was in line for pickup at my kids school. And I was just like bemoaning the fact that it just has been hard. And she said, well, I'll tell you what, at 98, I am positive of one thing. I have been through a ton of really, really hard things in my life and I am still here. So you, Dave, are going to get through these really, really hard things, but I have some bad news for you. You have 50 more years until you're as old as me. So you've got a bunch of hard things to come. And, yeah. you know, in a, in a crazy way, like I thought in watching your story over the years, like Amy's hard things, they're, you're, you're tapped out. You're good to go. <laughs> you need no more hard things. You've been through the hard stuff. And yet yeah. you still have hard things to go through. I'm sure that in some ways the experience of the last, you know, 20 years paired you to be able to be as resilient and strong as you have been, but also there's a certain point where you throw your hands in the air like, really, God? Come on. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And, and, and I think just because you've gone through a story, you've lived a story, doesn't mean you're not going to live many more stories. And the more, the longer we live, you know, the more challenges we're going to have. So it's certainly, I'd say each challenge is practice for sure. But yeah, I mean, I definitely, when, when this happened, I was at the peak of my snowboard kind of performance and, and thinking about going back to the next Paralympic Games and speaking all over the world and, and, you know, had a whole calendar full of things going on and just out of nowhere, completely knocked off my feet again. Yeah. And to the point of where we didn't know if I'd walk again, that and because I have to be able to walk in a prosthetic again, which makes it even more complicated that my leg has to be healthy enough to walk in a prosthetic, to be confined into a prosthetic. So the amount of fear and uncertainty that I went through when I first got hit with this injury was so 
severe and the anxiety that I went through as well. I, I, I wished I would have handled it better, to be honest. I thought I would have. I, over the years, I thought I can handle anything, you know, or like, like, I wonder how I'd handle, you know, something coming my way because I've overcome these challenges in the past. But, but this time really rocked me. It really rocked me. And actually, I, I, I had somebody reach out to me on Instagram right before this happened. And she was, you know, she was like, I, I, I love how, you know, you share your story and, and it helps us feel like, you know, we can do anything and overcome our obstacles. But she was like, what happens when you're in chronic pain? And I, I remember saying, I don't know. I've actually never been in chronic pain. Walking in my prosthetics, it was comfortable. That's what allowed me. I mean, I adapted to it. Okay, it wasn't comfortable at the beginning. It took years to get comfortable in my prosthetic legs. But 20 years into it, snowboarding and you know, just living my life, it's my everyday normal. So my legs were comfortable enough that allowed me to do the things that I did. So I definitely never felt that I lived with any level of chronic pain. And when this, when this woman reached out to me and, and, and mentioned that, I, I, I almost didn't know what to say because I, I hadn't really experienced it myself. And then all of a sudden, I go through this injury the doctors can't help me. They pretty much washed their hands of it. They didn't know what to do to help me. And I was in chronic pain. I, I, I was in probably six months of chronic pain because my leg didn't have enough blood flow. The doctors didn't know what to do. We didn't know if I was losing my leg above the knee. And it, for the first time, I felt completely out of control, could not get inspired, could not even think of the big picture, you know, could not even think of what could I do with this. How could be this be happening for me? Yeah. I was just literally surviving moment to moment with full anxiety, you know, panic attacks every night, just not knowing what the quality of my life is going to be. And so, you know, every challenge teaches us something. And I've just tried to, I've tried to reframe every situation. And, and, and I think I've done it so much now that it's automatic. I automatically reframe. This is horrible, yes. But you got to look for the little lights and the little blessings and the tiny, tiny little things that you hang on to those things. And then those things eventually grow. And I, I know, too, but, because we were in contact a bit in this window. It's also kind of a one day at a time kind of thing, because uh, it yeah. can become overwhelming if you start to think too much about any of it, especially right. when you're not in as much control as we all hope that we are. And so... When, when you are in survival mode, you can't think too far ahead. You're literally doggy paddling in a rocky ocean and you can't see the shore. And you also can't see uh, the, the, the message you're going to share with somebody down the road. You know, you're living it. You're trying to figure it out. You're trying to survive. It's not until you look back that you're able to say, okay, okay, so I can see how this helped me in ways or how I'm a better person now because of this. Or maybe I connect even more with people because it's not just move past your obstacles and, and everything's fine. No, it's, it's, it's you're living within them. And, and how, do you, how do you live your best life when you are, when you are dealing with um, challenging circumstances? You, so you mentioned prior to this latest injury, the Paralympics is a thing that you were potentially going to be charging toward we did not even talk about the fact that Paralympics is something that you, as a double amputee of the only human in the entire world that was operating at a world-class level in 2014 when you competed at Sochi. Will you tell us just a little bit about that experience, what the heck it's even like, how you got there, how long it takes to train, anything, everything. It's like the most amazing thing. It was incredibly challenging having 
two prosthetic legs and wanting to be the, the best athlete I could be. Wanting to compete at the Paralympics, you don't do that unless you want to win a gold medal. So the pressure I put on myself was tremendous, but also I, I believed in my heart that I could do it. I just had to find a way. And it's not like I could call somebody and say, hey, what kind of feet do you wear when you snowboard? <laughs> like, are you running into the same challenges I'm running into? I really had to figure it out on my own. But luckily, my husband and I, so we started a nonprofit organization called Adaptive Action Sports, and we started it in 2005. And the idea was to just you know, teach different types of action sports, snowboarding and skateboarding, and uh, bring these this community together of people who had disabilities but loved those types of sports as well. And what we realized is there were a lot of amazing snowboarders out there and snowboarding was in the Olympics and it wasn't yet in the Paralympics. And uh, just so that people know, the Paralympics are the adaptive division of the Olympic Games. Some people um, confuse the Paralympics with the Special Olympics. The Special Olympics is a separate organization for cognitive disabilities, whereas the Paralympics is a part of the Olympic Games. In fact, it's now called the US Olympic and Paralympic Committee. So we wanted to get snowboarding into the Paralympic Games and we went on this mission, my husband and I, and we, we teamed up with other athletes and groups around the world and pushed hard to get snowboarding into the games and we were turned down multiple times. And then in 2011, we found out that snowboarding would be a part of the 2014 games. And so then my mission went from trying to get it into the games to actually trying to make the U.S. snowboard team so I could compete <laughs> in the games myself. And so really, I did not become an athlete until I was 30 years old. I snowboarded. I had fun snowboarding. It was a lifestyle. We shared it with other people. But I did not become an athlete where I could call myself an athlete, where I trained and everything that I did was to be the best athlete I could be until I was 30 years old. Let's and go. <laughs> that's when a lot of people are retiring, you know, or thinking like, oh, I lost my chance. Or, you know, a lot of people will say, well, you were probably always an athlete, but I wasn't. I didn't play sports in high school. It wasn't until I just made this goal that I wanted to represent the best that I could. I wanted to represent to the best of my ability. And I have this beautiful opportunity to be the best I can be mentally, physically, emotionally for the next couple of years so that I can show up and perform at my best and, you know, represent what the possibilities are and represent what you can do on two prosthetic legs. And so I just, I made it my mission and I worked around the clock and I, I'm telling you, I, I worked on my feet like a mad woman because I had nobody else who would do it for me. And I've got probably 30,000 notes in my phone of every little tightening of the screw of my ankle that would change the direction of my leg. It actually became you know, pretty obsessive, just every little detail so that I could move my legs the way that I wanted them to. And at the time I was competing against other girls from around the world who had their legs or who had one prosthetic leg. So just by them having one human foot, they, you know, they had an advantage because they had 150 bones and muscles to balance on. And I've got two pieces of carbon fiber and that's about it. So I had to work really hard and, and then I ended up making the U.S. snowboard team and at that time, it's just interesting, I, I, I did a TED talk as well, which actually kind of put me, it, it launched me into this corporate speaking space, but it also ended up kind of bringing around these, these big partnerships and brand partnerships that I did because of the Paralympics. So once, 
once snowboarding was in the Paralympics and once I made the team, then I had these other amazing relationships that I had built through public speaking and ended up uh, working with Coca-Cola and being on billboards for Coca-Cola and then Toyota and Kellogg's on Kellogg's cereal boxes. I mean, my, you know, my life changed overnight, but it was years of hard work that led up to that. You know, and I think about it, it took, it was 10 years of working on my legs and snowboarding just for the fun of it and just to share it with other people that, you know, I never had the vision early on that I would be a Paralympic snowboarder or a competitive snowboarder. I just wanted to snowboard. I just loved it. And just from there it evolved. And I, I think that's important for everything we do because I think sometimes we look at the outcome, right? And it's if we can't have that, then we don't want to do it. I, you know, I have people who will say, you know, I want to be a motivational speaker and speak on, on all these stages. And, and I'm like, well, speak, be uh, it, go speak, go to church and speak or uh, go to the high school down the street. You know, these kids need it. Be, be it. And, and then you, and then things evolve. You never know where it's going to go. I mean, it's, it's amazing to have this vision of what you want to be, but it's amazing what happens when you just, when you follow your heart and allow things to evolve. And sometimes it will go further than you ever could have imagined. The thing I think I love the most is that had you gone to the experts in this field and asked them about a double amputee participating in the games, or if you had asked them about a 30-year-old deciding to become an athlete at that age, I know that doesn't sound that old, but in athlete years, that is older. Every single person who is an expert in the entire world would have said, there is no way, there is no chance. And instead you were like, you know what? I am going to go do this thing, despite <laughs> what conventional wisdom says, despite what the experts might say, and your life ends up, ends up being changed because of this belief that you had in yourself rather than depending on what anyone, anywhere would have conventionally thought of or said when it comes to what normally happens inside of the space. Something happened early on, which was, I think, just the perspective of anything can happen, right? So the doctors first said that I was more likely to be hit by a bolt of lightning than to get the type of meningitis that I got because it was very rare to get. And then there were so many things that happened in the hospital, you know, just fighting for my life and having less than a 2% chance of living. And then there were certain things where it's my adrenal glands were hemorrhaging and, and they thought it was going to be a miracle if they stopped and if they were healthy and they did stop and my adrenal glands did get healthy. So there were all these little miracles that were happening that made me think, okay, so clearly anything can happen. Anything can happen on the bad side. Yeah, I got meningitis, one in, you know, not many people get it. But any, anything can happen then on the good side too. There really are no, we don't know. I mean, until God comes down here and like tells you something's an absolute fact, we don't know. We create our own stories. We've created our own stories that you can't be an athlete after 30 years old because you start to go downhill. When I became stronger than I've ever been, in fact, by the time I was 34 and did Dancing with the Stars in the Paralympics, I mean, I was absolutely the strongest I have ever physically and mentally been in my entire life. And so I, I just think it's so important that we, you know, we got to shake off all, we got to stop boxing ourselves in and just really like what, what makes your heart beat and what are you passionate about? And let's not stop ourselves before we get started, throw ourselves into it and see what happens. And you know, that's life as a journey. It's yeah. Beautiful. Well, it's interesting too, because especially in 2020, 
I see people all the time wringing their hands. What else is going to go wrong in 2020? What else is going to go? And it's like, if you can reframe, what else might go right? Or what good could come from this? Like, if you go on the search for what else can go wrong, you will find the evidence. It, find it. it will show itself. But if yeah. you also ask the question, what could go right or what good can come from this, you'll find the evidence of that too. It's just right. a function of what you're on the hunt for and whatever you're searching exactly. for, you will find it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. You'll find it. And, and not to make things seem easy, but I, I've just chosen to look at, I've chosen to look at the blessings, you know, and, and because of that, even though I've faced so much, I mean, between the injury this past year, fighting to walk again, I haven't walked in two years at this point and just had a major, actually just had my left leg re-amputated, meaning like amputated again from 20 years ago. So that was just about seven weeks ago. There are really tough moments, but it's also given me these opportunities to look at things a little bit differently. I mean, being home because of this injury, also because of COVID, makes me realize how, I mean, I was kind of dragging myself into the ground with all the work that I was doing and all the traveling I was doing. And all of a sudden I'm thinking, yeah, who am I to think that I could go 90 years on two prosthetic legs living like that? or for the rest of my life living like that. I mean, how lucky am I to do what I've done? But really now it's time to slow down and rethink things and, and take care of myself. And it's beautiful that it's not as easy to do our work from Zoom and from home. And we've got me, I've got a dog that jumps on me every time I try to you know, do something important. And people have kids, they're trying to manage and they're trying to do their work at home as well. I mean, none of it's easy. But I mean, really, when you look at the blessings of it, that we get the opportunity to slow down and to really think about what's important to us and how do we want to reemerge into the world when it's time to. That's something that's important to me. It's been a gift. Uh, I think that you casually just dropped dancing with the stars in a sentence without <laughs> actually pausing to acknowledge the awesomeness that is dancing with the stars. You were uh, partnered with Derek Howe. Is that what you say his name? Yeah. Huff? Derek. See, this is, this, is, uh, this is how out of touch I am with like contemporary anything. Derek Huff, tell us about that experience and then please separately offline, tell me how do I get on Dancing with the Stars? I'll tell you, I know, I know some people over there. <laughs> <laughs> Were you a dancer before you went on the show? Like, had you danced before? Was this just no. like a random thing? I tried out for my high school dance team and failed, didn't make it. I tried out for my high school cheer squad and failed and didn't make it. And that's when I had my legs. So dancing on Dancing with the Stars with two prosthetic legs, I had no idea what to expect. And, you know, in front of millions of viewers and judges, people are judging you if you should even be there or not. So the pressure was major. I had no idea if my legs would move in the way I needed them to. They, Dancing with the Stars actually found out about me because of a billboard, a Coca-Cola billboard. And they saw me snowboarding and they called and, and, and said, have you ever danced or wanted to dance? And I said, I, you know, I mean, I like dancing with my friends, but ballroom, I have no idea what my feet can do. And, and they brought me on the show. But, you know, I'll tell you something that's kind of interesting before I go into Dancing with the Stars. So just before uh, the 2014 Paralympic Games, I was... Uh, brought on by Warner Brothers to be the, an actress in this big film, which came out and it's called Kingsman. 
and there's an actress in the film who's got these prosthetic legs and you know does roundhouse kicks and slices heads off and that was that was the role that I that I originally was casted in and so I was in London I flew first class for the first time and I was drinking champagne and I thought this is my big break going to be in this huge film and then all of a sudden I got dropped from the film which was devastating and the reason they dropped me is it was pushing into uh, I I was doing the Paralympics I had to be finished shooting by the end of January and they started to push into spring and so it was just not possible and I was devastated I remember I was just I was in Florida it was so hot when I got the phone call that I got dropped I was walking down the street I had an ear infection I was like what happened to my life overnight just a few days ago I was drinking champagne in first class you know and now all of a sudden I'm like I'm back to just walking around in my prosthetic legs what am I going to do and you know I I remember my prosthetist at the time just saying you know he goes Amy it just means that there's better things coming you weren't you know one door closes another door opens and I was like yeah 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 you know that's what we want to believe whatever but I'll tell you I ended up throwing myself I thought I'm just going to throw myself into the Paralympics I'm going to throw myself into being the best athlete I could be. And then it was a few months later that Dancing with the Stars called and asked me to be on the show. And being on that show and doing the Paralympics changed my life completely. And had I have done that film, I never would have been able to do Dancing with the Stars or the Paralympic Games. So it is amazing how one door closes and another one. You have to believe that there is something more or there's something else or there's a reason or you make a reason right i love it so good so that's kind of how dance with the stars came about yeah it was it was incredibly challenging the most challenging thing i've ever put myself um dancing on two prosthetic legs that don't move the way you need them to move and trying to be graceful and balance on my feet and they would slip on the floor and I mean, my bolts would come undone. I mean, there were times that Derek would pretty much carry me off the floor because we'd make it through the dance and my foot would fall off. Um, (laughs) So none of it, the whole thing was a challenge. And you could look at it really being frustrated or you could look at it like, this is just an incredible wild experience and let's just see how it goes and see what we can do and, and get creative and find a way. And I look back and I think, you know, there was a time that I thought my life was over when really it was just beginning. Oh, so good. And you made it to the finals. You're very modest, but my goodness, good work. <laughs> Unbelievable. I know that you've written a book. It's called On My Own Two Feet. It's all about the journey of your journey. Tell me a little bit about the experience of writing down all of your things. Tell people a little bit about what the book is about and um, everything, anything about the book, please. So I, I mean, I definitely knew that I wanted to write a book even when I was in the hospital, because I had such kind of miraculous moments that helped me survive that I thought, I got to put this on paper. I don't want to forget how amazing life really is. And so I really started to write my book right when I lost my legs. In fact, it kind of started to write itself. And for many years, I wanted to write this book, but I kept feeling like I hadn't lived enough life yet. I, um, I, I always had it in my head. I'm like, when I'm 45, I'll have more to say. You know, when I'm 45, maybe I can do a TED Talk. I have, you know, I no, <laughs> just, just do it. Just do it right now. Just commit, commit to it, make it happen. And so I committed myself to writing this book um, before the 2014 Paralympic Games. 
um, I decided as soon as the games are over, I'm going to write this book. I don't care if I have to lock myself up for six months and write it. I'm, I'm doing it. It's going to be done by the end of 2014. And just the way that the universe works right after Dancing with the Stars, I got a book deal with HarperCollins. I was given a six-week deadline to write the book, and it just so happens it came out the very last day of 2014. <laughs> so I hit my goal, but with you know major, major pressure to do so. I, I really wrote the book because I just, I, I thought when I was young, if somebody told me that I was going to lose my leg at the age of 19, that I was going to lose my health, lose my kidneys, lose the hearing in my left ear, I would have said there's no way that I'd be able to handle that. And I, I just think of anybody out there who is facing any kind of challenge. And we need stories of hope and we need stories of how we got through our toughest challenges and, and not just overcame them. I mean, for me, it's not like I ever, I, I can't overcome losing my legs. It's something I deal with every day. I put my legs on every single day. I'm reminded every single day. So it's not about overcoming our obstacles, it's about using them. And I just wanted to be able to share this this journey for anybody going through any kind of challenge to just be able to, you know, see the possibilities in their life and 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 just see how capable they really are. You give me hope, Amy Purdy. Goodness gracious. I am here for it. All right. Final question. It's the last question that I ask every human being who shows up on this show, and that is, it's a hard one. If there were a single piece of advice in a single actionable thing that you could afford the audience who is listening today that they could put into practice that would afford them some peace, that would afford them some prosperity, that would give them something that they would feel good about themselves for, what is that single thing that you would tell them? The single thing I would say is to prioritize your day. Prioritize your day because you cannot be resilient if you do not eat, if you do not take care of yourself, if you do not move your body, if you do not breathe, you cannot have a good day. And then the second thing is do what makes you feel good. If it's working out, what makes you feel accomplished? Do that and then dive into your work. And I think you'll realize that you just got everything done that is important to you. You feel good. You physically feel good. You feel accomplished. And you can build on that because, you know, confidence builds on confidence. So set your day up so that you feel good. You're fueled. You're doing something that feels good to you. And then you dive into work and you work through the challenges and the different things you have to work through through the day. Let's go. You can't pour from an empty cup. Self-care isn't selfish. Yeah. Amy Purdy said so. And I believe it to be gospel truth. All right. If uh, someone is not yet familiar with the wonder that is you, where can people follow you? Where can they find out more information about all of the goodness that you are putting into this world? So uh, they can follow me on social media. So Amy Purdy Girl, G-U-R-L, and that's across the board. So Facebook, Twitter, and now TikTok, which I'm trying to figure out, oh. and Instagram. <laughs> also, my website is just amypurdy.com. And when you're on there, there's also a downloadable guide to five ways to be resilient. And, and these are things that I've learned through my life that have helped me get through my toughest days that I just want to be able to share with other people as well. So that's on my website. And yeah, reach out and say hi. Excellent. We will put the link to the site in the show notes for any of you who are listening. If Ladies and gentlemen, you would please rise, remove your hats and cheer for Amy Purdy. Thank you so much. 
for having been here today. It's been such a pleasure hanging out. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. I know that the craziness of your life has had us trying to get this conversation on the books for a while. I'm so happy that it's happened. And not only am I happy that it's happened, that it's happening with you. I know that there's still work to go, but it seems like things are going pretty well. And I'm excited and happy for you for that. Thank you. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed this episode, if you took anything away from it, and how could you have not, Amy just dropped a whole bunch of great wisdom on you. Please take a picture of this podcast on the device you're listening on. Tag both myself and Amy Purdy Girl in the social media of your choosing and tell every single human being that you've ever met in your entire life how great this episode was. Between now and next week, I hope that you will reframe how life is happening for you and not to you. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll see you next week on Rise Together. Rise Together is hosted by me, Dave Hollis. This show is produced by Chelsea Harfouche and edited by Andrew Weller with production support by Sterling Coates. Cameron Berkman is our executive producer. Rise Together is a product of The Hollis Company.